The following is part two of a two-part episode on The Book of Boba Fett Season 1. This part covers the final three chapters of that series. If you have not already listened to the first part, which contains the first four chapters, I would urge you to do so now. Otherwise... Here is the Book of Boba Fett, chapters 5, 6, and 7. I have to send a message. I'm the Grand Lord now. This territory is mine. All belongs to me now. My name... Boba Fett. The Book of Boba Fett. Chapter 5 Return of the Mandalorian. Yeah, which this episode was basically all about the Mandalorian. Yeah, I don't think Boba Fett was ever even in it. No, not in this episode. He wasn't. It, maybe it's just me, but that title, Return of the Mandalorian, reminded me of the title of the third Star Wars movie that was made, Return of the Jedi. Right. It's not the Return of the Mandalorian. It's Return of the Mandalorian, just like the movie was Return of the Jedi. Right. So am I reading too much into this, or was that intentional on their part? That's a good question. This kind of dips into the history of of the fets and their tribe because he basically goes to collect a bounty on um kaba base so he shows up to a meat packing plant and uh finds the guy yeah and... before we even mention that i should say mm -hmm. that this it opens he's on a ring world yet another a reference to science fiction that's pre-star wars we had stranger in a strange land which was the Heinlein novel another great science fiction novel that also i believe won the hugo award larry niven's ring world which is about this giant ring-shaped world with the on the inside of the ring is the 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 city and that's that's where he is again we're getting into a, a weird detour of hard sf that is unlike a lot of the science fantasy of star wars and is of different stripe but just like the way that they incorporated cyberpunk into the last episode, somehow the Mandalorian finds a way to Star Warsify it and it, it works. And I'm glad they gave us something like a ring world rather than the umpteenth time seeing a swamp planet or a desert planet or a forest planet. He goes into the meatpacking plant. This is in the Clatoonian territory too, because they cover the starport and the upper spread, which yeah. Seems to me like would be the ring world of Star Wars. He went to uh, collect a bounty on this particular Clatoonian. He's the They're boss like the of dog the people. Yeah, he's the boss of the meatpacking plant dog people. He gets into a fight with him and he's got the Darksaber that he got from Moff Gideon and um, actually ends up during the battle like cutting himself with his own with the Darksaber in the leg. Mm -hmm. You know, he kills the guy. He tells all of the, the rest of the workers who have him surrounded 
hey, I'm going to walk out of here. You know, I left all the credits on the table. You know, you can like have at it or whatever if you let me pass. And they pretty much let him pass. And yeah, um, let me pass and you can keep the money. <laughs> and so he ends up going back to the armorer. The armorer for the this is the way Mandalorian people is kind of like their like spiritual guide too. And she like, she asks him about the dark saber cut she also says that you know he's got the beskar spear and says that it's dangerous that this thing even exists because you know it can pierce beskar armor you know so beskar should yeah. be used for armor not for weapons so and he's like okay let's turn it into armor <laughs> yeah so he he has this idea that they'll like make something for grogu and mm-hmm. i think it's obvious what it is maybe people who aren't into sci-fi and fantasy don't know but as soon as they start making rings out of it i'm like oh they're making him a chainmail shirt you know right I mean? that's that was my first thought i'm like oh it's chainmail okay i get the feeling that beskar is supposed to be lighter than like steel and stronger and all that so i'm thinking oh so they made the mithril shirt for frodo it yeah. all comes back there you go it's all full circle <laughs> moment full circle moment yes um, <laughs> there's this other Mandalorian, Visla, who claims that, like, he is the rightful owner of the Darksaber. So they have to have a duel to decide who gets the Darksaber. Yeah. And then right when the Mandalorian has the upper hand and he has the small blade up to him, then he gets confronted on his, how Mandalorian are you? Yeah. Like, have you ever taken your helmet off? The other guy's like, no. Mandalorian's like, yeah. And then she's like, well, you're not a real Mandalorian. He still leaves with the dark sword anyway. The dark saber. Yeah. I the dark saber anyway. Yeah. This gets back to my, like, we should have never seen him without his helmet on. That's just my opinion. I mean, to be honest, it just kind of left me with some questions. I'm like, so does she think that Boba Fett is not Mandalorian enough because he takes his helmet off all the time. So what does that mean for him? You know, does that mean that he's not Mandalorian enough or is he just not like Orthodox Mandalorian (laughs) enough? Now we're getting into Orthodox versus like reformed Mandalorians. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's, is he Orthodox Mandalorian or is he going to the Mandalorian community church? You know, which one is it? (laughs) Yeah. What, um, is he Orthodox or is he like one of those crazies like Bo-Katan, you know, right? (laughs) Like, uh, um, one of those splinter cults of Mandalorians. Right. (laughs) Right. Exactly. You know? (laughs) Okay. So anyway, he, you know, he ends up leaving because it looks like he's being excommunicated from Mandalorians and like goes back to Tatooine. He goes back to his contemporary Mandalorian life. (laughs) (laughs) Where he he goes to see Peli, who's Amy Sedaris's character, the crazy mechanic lady. And she's like supposed to fix up this old starfighter to replace the Razor Crest. He ends up working with her on it, which I'm like, man, there should be a major discount for that. Like, you're the one that's supposed to be fixing the ship. But the two of them work on it. They eventually always ends up helping to save his life, though. So I feel like she, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, So they finally get it fixed up. And he he's planning on going and finding Grogu and like giving him this 
this little bindle, which we know contains the suit of armor for Grogu. But before he can, mm-hmm. Fennec shows up and says she's looking for muscle on behalf of Boba Fett for this upcoming war. And he agrees, but he's going to go take care of this like thing with Grogu first. Now, I have a question here. Is this like an, a situation where like Luke is supposed to finish his training with Yoda, but like then has to run off and go do something, you know, and you have Yoda and Obi-Wan's ghost talking about, oh, he's not ready, you know, and that kind of thing. Is it that kind of moment or is this a, oh shit, this was supposed to be an episode of The Mandalorian, which is why Boba Fett's not in it. But now, John Favreau's group, okay, now we got to make this Boba Fett series too. So um, we got to write this together so that we can come up with an excuse for him. Let's to just like, make it all part of the storyline and it'll work out. <laughs> so that he can leave and we have another episode without Boba Fett in it, <laughs> you know? Did you notice how the present was wrapped? The way it was wrapped, it looked like Baby Yoda's head. Oh. I guess I didn't really notice that, but yeah, yeah. I was like, that's cute. I see what they did there. Okay. Yeah. Ah, yes. This takes us to another episode that does not have Boba Fett in it. I don't think Um, the next episode is from the desert comes a stranger. Now, when I even hear that term from the desert comes a stranger, I picture those Ennio Morricone music playing spaghetti westerns where like it's all shimmery desert and you see this tiny black figure walking out of the desert, you know, and it's like Clint Eastwood, you know. Mm -hmm. They served us that moment on a plate in this episode. So I got to ask you, is this series science fiction or is it a crime series or is it a western series yes what is it (laughs) the answer is yes the answer is yes all of the above (laughs) timothy oliphant uh his character which is like um cobb vant is the marshal of moss pelgo which is now silver fox marshal thank you very much silver (laughs) fox oh my word (laughs) okay about the vapors on him he was fine Um, wasn't he in that series um with drew barrymore where she was like a zombie and he was her husband i feel like he was in that series with her before she started her talk show he's just so fine so like the scream series is where we sort of came to know he was in deadwood we talked about this before he was the marshal in deadwood and he's the marshal in this you know yeah (laughs) And then we've seen him, of course, in The Mandalorian playing the marshal of what they now call Freetown, which, okay, another Dune reference, all right, the holdouts that don't want to get involved in stuff that are out in the desert, you know, they're the Freemen. The Freemen in the Freeman. and Freetown in Star Wars. So coincidence? You're going down. You're going down <laughs> to Freetown. <laughs> so... So this Pike spice runner enforcer guy comes out of the desert and uh, he tries to convince them to continue to remain neutral and let the spice flow. You know, as long as the spice flows through Tatooine, no problem. Cobb Vanth doesn't want to get involved, but he has a young 
hothead that he tells to stay inside comes out anyway and ends up getting shot because of it. And then that means he has to shoot at the guy and ends up with the marshal getting shot. And, you know, and then they walk away and we, we think he's dead. All right. Cut to the Mandalorian arriving on this wonderful, you know, lush planet that Luke Skywalker lives on now. Thankfully, mm-hmm. not that stupid island with the porgs. He's, yeah. You know, this is a lot earlier in his life. He uh, he lives on this, you know, in this bamboo forest where he's got a ton of giant ant droids building like a school for Jedis. And uh, his first student is Grogu. R2-D2 leads the Mandalorian to a place where like the droids build a bench for him and they're like, and then shut a squad. R- it's going to be a while. Yeah. R2 just shuts himself <laughs> off, you know? And then, yeah. um, and then he's right. met with Alasaka Tano. Yes. Who basically convinces him not to see Grogu at all, because we have two different philosophies here. There is the way of the Mandalorians, which your tribe and everything means everything, you know? Mm-hmm. And then just like, Luke had to make that choice when his friends were in trouble and like he, he he could either leave or continue his training under Yoda and right. he ends up leaving the planet you know before his training is is complete and they think this is a terrible idea well Luke doesn't even gr- give Grogu that option he has Ahsoka Tano meet meet him and be like look that may be your way our way is the Jedi needs to have no connections you know yeah like needs to to have no no, attachments no attachments and Mm -hmm. if he sees you then he won't be able to it'll be too hard for him so he misses you don't mess up his training just let me give him pass on the gift he has to make a choice and you know she's like are you making this choice for you or for him and you know and so he finally agrees to do it provided they give grogu the little uh bindle with the suit of armor Mm -hmm. and then at the end of that episode let's not forget that grogu was given a choice because luke offered him a lightsaber and he said you could take the lightsaber and continue the jedi training or you could take the armor which means that you are choosing to have attachments which is not the jedi way this is and then you will and then you can go with the mandalorian and yeah. they left the episode with, you know, that decision hanging in the balance. It's something, it's a decision that goes back to Zen Buddhism. And I think this is how the Dalai Lama is chosen when the Dalai Lama is an infant. But we saw it last time, remember in Lone Wolf and Cub, where he could choose either the ball, the mother's way, or the sword or whatever it was. And the cub chose the way of the sword and he's like, oh, your life's going to be hard, you know? So it's the same thing. It's the sword or the suit of armor. So you got to choose, are you going to go with the Mandalorian way or are you going to go with the way of the Jedi? My one nitpick about this episode is the same nitpick I had about the blue shrimp when we were talking about the Mandalorian. So in Star Wars, when Lucas was in charge, he had a rule that you couldn't refer to any earth animals in any way so every time there was a creature or a monster or anything it looked completely different Mm 
But in the Mandalorian, we had shrimp that looked just like Earth shrimp, except for they were blue. But there are such things as blue shrimp, as I had pointed out to Johanna. So in this, they're frogs. Okay, they're one-eyed frogs, but they're in all other ways, like identical to a human frog. And they make the frog ribbit noise. They do everything. They are frogs. They are frogs right. that just happen to have one eye. You know, Grogu levitates one and is about to eat one when Luke stops him, but then shows him that he can levitate all the frogs out of the pond, you know? Right, um, right. You, you so, could create a, an air buffet of frogs, dude. Watch. <laughs> but my nitpick is that they made it that much like an actual frog. They could have changed it a bit more and have it not be a frog. True, very true. I also just want to point out how amazing the graphics were in bringing Luke to life. My friend Matt that I had mentioned earlier, he's like, I want to know what you think about Luke. This is what I think about Luke. I love the less whiny, more mature Luke, first of all. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the Jedi teacher Luke is my jam. And well, that's I like what how- made Return of the Jedi so great because he was that guy, mm-hmm. you know? And it was the weakest of the first three, but it's still a really good movie. And one of the best parts about it is, is Luke was now a Jedi. You know, he yeah, he wasn't a whiny, a but yeah. <laughs> I did not care for that phase of Luke's life. But just the graphics were amazing. I couldn't get over how far technology has gone in filmmaking to where they can actually do this and make it happen and make it believable and not glitchy. And have Mark Hamill actually play Luke. Yeah, he was still able to play the character. Yeah, I remember when the prequels were getting made 20 years ago, people were would ask Mark Hamill in interviews, are you going to be in the new Star Wars films? And he's like, my understanding is that they're prequels and there's no way I can look that young. You know, it was a joke <laughs> because it was before he was born. But also, right. also part of it was, you know, I think he had come to the realization that he probably wasn't going to be in any more Star Wars films because he was too old. But that's no longer the truth, right? Now they have the ability with this CGI de-aging to actually have the actor that played the part play the part, which is much better. I love that for Mark Hamill. I love that his whole career um, had a a resurgence because of technology and Star Wars. And also he has like the best Twitter ever. I love following him on Twitter. One of the biggest problems with The Godfather and The Godfather Part 2 is that I don't think Robert De Niro looks that much like Marlon Brando, you know? So they had had to have a different different actor play him, but it's like a little harder to make the two fit together in your mind because they they don't look that much alike. Right. And you know, when moments like that happen in TV movies, I can't help but think surely surely there's an actor that looks more like the original actor out there that could play this part why did they find somebody that doesn't even look genetically like them yeah it's just my own nitpick yeah yeah it's it's weird i did not realize this when i was a kid because there hadn't been dune movies but i mentioned in a past episode how i had always conflated dune and star wars in my mind even as a kid because dune books were still coming out at that time and they Mm -hmm. seemed like tatooine and like turns out one owes a huge debt to the other you know star wars did rip off stuff from dune and one thing that i had never realized before until much later is the spice harvester and the jawa sand crawler are a lot alike i had that moment of when i saw the sand crawler again i'm like oh yeah having just recently watched 
both dunes or three dunes like it was like <laughs> yeah. um oh yeah this takes us on to episode seven in the name of honor this is the culmination of our dune mandalorian godfather lone wolf and cub survey you know and one thing they didn't mention was that they named the bike gang as the one who killed the tuscans yeah, the Pike Syndicate had them killed. We didn't know this until this episode. We didn't know that it was the Pikes that, who were behind it. We were pretty sure somebody framed the speeder bike gang like because mm-hmm. they left their symbol on the tents after they killed everybody. But yeah, we find out in this episode that it was the Pike Syndicate that yeah. like killed the Sand People, which is the same people who were in the train shooting at Sand People. They wanted to eliminate Sand People for a while. Because they wanted free reign of the of the sand (laughs) yeah in dune spice is good like everybody wants the spice the spice definitely has psychedelic properties the spice is the way that space travel is done it's hinted at there's downsides to the spice but in at least the first dune novel spice is this good thing in this spice which looks exactly the same and, you know, we don't know where it comes from, like the spice mines of Kessel, maybe, instead of sandworms. But it's treated more like a really seriously bad drug that they don't want to get involved in. Like, like cocaine or something or heroin. You yeah, know. which in The Godfather, like Vito was always adamant that the family not get involved in drugs. But all the other gangs were like, hey, there's a lot of money to be made in drugs. You know, we should be in drugs, you know. And so that's kind of what they're doing here with all the other crime families who we find out weren't really staying neutral after all. They were pretty much all in cahoots with the Pikes. Right, because they were all making money off of the Spikes. We find out that Grogu chose chainmail. R2-D2, like, who I didn't know R2-D2 could fly an X-Wing all by himself without Luke, but R2-D2, like, apparently is the one flying the X-Wing all the time, and Luke is just hanging out in there while, like, Grogu is just hanging out in there, and I guess, I don't know how you convince him not to touch stuff and, like, the mess with the controls, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but whatever, R2's flying the X-Wing and flies it to Pelly's uh, place on Tatooine, how he knew to fly it there, I'm not sure. They're basically at the sanctuary, the remains of the sanctuary, which was bombed. It reminded me a little bit of the scene for some reason where the families were meeting and the helicopter in Godfather 2 where there's mm-hmm. the massacre, but there have been yes. other scene, other movies we've seen where like some group comes and they leave a bomb and take off. They're in the remains of that. Fennec is suggesting that they go back to Jabba's palace and haul up there for this impending war. And at the other end of the spectrum is like the Mandalorian and stuff who are like, no, we got to be out here in the streets and stuff like that. And the mods, the mod kids are like, okay, fine, go ahead and go to your palace and hole up there and be safe and not protect the people that are down here on the ground. They decide to have this final stand. So they put the speeder bike mods in one area and they've got Chrysanthemum guarding another key spot and the Mandalorian and Boba Fett are, are at the old bombed out sanctuary, you know. Hey, can I make a sidebar real quick? 
the previous episode, Chrysanthemum got in trouble at the sanctuary because he was getting into fights and stuff. And as he was walking out of there after he was basically asked to leave, that's when Boba Fett was like, it sounds like you need a job. Come work with me. Yep. Bringing us back here. He's battling it out. And of course, Chrysanthemum's more apt to take that job because like, you know, Boba Fett freed him. When the Huts gave him to Fett as a tribute, they just freed him. They're like, let him go. I don't keep creatures contained like that. And don't work for scum, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. We got this climactic battle scene. The Pikes are going to send in Everybody. full strength. Yeah. Yeah, they're and, not holding back now. They're ready for battle. And it starts out with just street fighters. And they're, Fett's people are doing pretty well. They they pretty much almost win. And then come the mechs, these giant uh, mechanical droids. I know that this ending for this series was made long before the Russian invasion of Ukraine happened, but boy, mm -hmm. does it ever resonate right now when the urban fighting that's happening in eastern Ukraine, where like the fighters on the streets are taking back the streets from a, you know... But like they're giant tanks rolling through and stuff like that. Well, these things have like force fields around them. And I'm thinking this happens right after Return of the Jedi, you know, or during Return of the Jedi. Why the hell did the Empire not have this technology like force field technology? You know, right. it's like, so right. this is like a major jump in technology that apparently the uh, Spice Syndicate had that nobody else has, like neither the Rebels nor the, the Empire. It was like their secret weapon. <laughs> the chrysanthemum part, he eventually gets overwhelmed. But the thing that I didn't quite get is he takes straight up takes direct blaster fire. Now, the Mandalorian and Boba Fett can take blaster fire because they're armored, but he's unarmored. And I'm like, how the hell is he able to survive direct blaster fire? That's my one nitpick from this episode. I mean, he was overtaken in one scene and then he comes back in another one to help finish off the fight. So it's like, well, I kind of wish they would have showed him get out of that mess. That would have been a fun scene. Yeah, I also didn't like that the Darksaber did not penetrate the force fields of the droid mechs at first, and then later on it does. So, like, mm -hmm. I would have rather they had him, like, switch to the Darksaber in the later scene and find out that the Darksaber can actually cut through the force field, which it couldn't before. If they had just left that first part out where he tried to attack it with the Darksaber and it was bouncing off of it, because then it would have made sense. Oh, the Darksaber can cut through force fields. But now I'm left with why Why was it able to cut through now and it wasn't able to cut through earlier? I have a theory about that. When he was training with the Darksaber, he was really struggling with it because it kept getting heavier and heavier because he was fighting the Saber mm -hmm. instead of fighting his opponent. And I could be wrong here. You know, correct me if I'm wrong. You know, start a thread on our group, whatever. But I kind of feel like it was one of those things where he had to adjust to fighting a force field with the dark saber. I could be wrong, but maybe that's why it didn't work the first time. But then once he got the hang of, okay, this is how I'm supposed to fight this. Then he figured it out. Spoiler alert. Eventually the tide is turned here when the Freeman finally show up to their rescue, as well as 
Boba Fett rides in on a Rancor. They eventually defeat everything. Then the Rancor gets loose, climbs the tower in a total King Kong homage. You know, yeah. And then they like have <laughs> we to had like, our King Kong moment. <laughs> they have to bring down the Rancor. And I think they just needed a big monster battle at the end. But yeah, they're triumphant. So spoiler there. But I like the fact that the leader of the Pike Syndicate was killed by Boba Fett with the Tuscan Gaffy weapon. The Pike Syndicate slaughtered them. Their weapon dealt the final blow on him. Just yeah. love that. Mo- I, I love that scene. That, that was one of my favorites. I think that the best quote here, or the quote that sort of sums up this series, which also sums up Dune to a degree, and sums up the Godfather to a degree, because all three of those had this father-son thing where you know the son has to take over and like someone says to him at some point you tried to go straight but you've got your father's blood pumping through your veins that is the book of boba fett season one Mm -hmm. and that brings to the end our mega dune lone wolf and cub mandalorian godfather arcs all in one uh package Great, great series. I really hope that they come out with a Boba Fett too. I have heard mutterings, but I don't know if it's happening for sure. I think it's happening. I think it's supposed to happen. Okay. If you liked this episode, there's a bunch of things you can do. You cannot give us money. We have no Patreon. We have nothing like that. Maybe we will someday. I'm sorely tempted. But there are only a few ways you can do it. One is subscribe so that you get every episode as soon as it comes out. The more subscribers we have, the more likely it's going to bump us up in the rankings on Apple, which then is what everybody else's podcast rankings are taken from. And then the higher we are in the rankings, the more likely they are to push us so that other people can find us. So pay our show tribute by subscribing to the show. Exactly. There it Uh, is. The other thing you can do is give us five stars or a high star rating on whatever platform you're on, but um, particularly iTunes, if you like, give us not just a star rating, but actually take a few minutes to type up a review. Now, it doesn't actually have to say very much. You could just type in, you know, your to-do list for the day or whatever. I don't think they actually read them. Like, Rosie is a big dork, but I'm still giving the show five stars. (laughs) Right. The fact that there is something typed in on those reviews is all it takes for the robot algorithm to be like, okay, there are people writing reviews for this show. So, So that's the second way you can help us. The third way you can help us is just directly recommend us to someone who you think might like it. Like if someone asks you, uh, I'm looking for a new podcast, recommend Geek Channel 8 to them. And if you want to- Tag our Facebook page in the comments. Yeah, that's another thing. You can send us an email at GC8, letter G, letter C, number eight, podcast, all one word, gc8podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, this is Eric. And this is Rosie. Signing off.
I've been bugging him to do drag Sonny and share forever. And actually one time we had a conversation about that and he was like, okay, but only if I get to be turned back time share. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whatever you want. 